You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Amen. It's great to be together this morning, uh, celebrating what Jesus has done for all of us, and also really being inspired by the uh, idea of the Silicon Beach outreach, just making an impact in a part of the world that um, so many resources are pouring into the area, and I believe God is calling us to really give the ultimate resource to this part of the world, which is the gospel. Amen? So I'm excited about that. You know, God is an innovator. He is the ultimate innovator, and we have been studying the uh, book of Exodus as a church, and today we're doing uh, the calling Part two, it's the, the calling of Moses, and we left off last week uh, at the burning bush experience. And that's an innovative idea, right? That God wants to reveal himself in a burning bush to Moses and call Moses at 80 years old to do something really amazing. And so this morning, I wanted to do something. We've been sitting for communion. Natalie did a great job with communion. Thank you so much sharing and Chuka and all those, a part of the Silicon Beach group. Uh, also, just appreciate Nathan and, and all the singers up here. Thank you for your heart and, and time of effort here to lead us in worship. But I want to do something to kind of get your blood pumping. I want you to all stand up. Everybody stand up. And we're going to begin with a prayer, but I want it to be a standing prayer. So we can stand up, but we're going to bow our heads, stretch out a little bit. And we're going to study uh, Exodus chapter 3 and 4 today. Uh, and this is a calling of Moses but it applies to us. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the privilege of being here this morning. Uh, we're grateful. We want to see uh, what you want to unveil for our community. We want to see what our role in it will become. Father, I pray you will be with us as we study your word. We know your word is powerful. It changes minds. It changes hearts. It helps us to become of the people you intended us to be. Father, be uh, with each of us, no matter where we're at in our life at this time. Help us to receive a message that helps us accept the right calling from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So again, we left off last time. Grab a seat. Open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. And we find in Exodus chapter 3, the burning bush, where... God, as a theophany, comes out and he's talking to Moses. Now, of course, he had not... This, this is really the second uh, of the Trinity, the second person of the Trinity, revealing himself as an angel in a burning bush. Essentially, this is Jesus before he's in human form. And he's talking to Moses. And Moses drew near, and God said, you know, take off your shoes, this is holy, holy ground. And then we read in verse 6 of Exodus 3... That he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God works through different generations. I like how he says, he's the God of, of your fathers, of your personal father, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you know what? There's something powerful about being in a generational church. There's something powerful about knowing that our mom and dad believed in Jesus or understood Him. There's something powerful for me. My grandma and grandpa introduced me to Jesus. My dad became an atheist when he was in his teens. 
But my, my grandparents, they, they took me to conferences to teach me about Jesus. And as I learned what a disciple was, I really, I, I wanted to impart the things I was showing or learning to my grandparents. But I know deep down in my heart of hearts, it was the faith that they planted on in me that God allowed to grow to something today. I never thought I would end up becoming a minister up speaking to you. Never thought that would happen. But it's the generational influence that can make such a difference. And we need to be grateful for that. Uh, sons and daughters in here, if your parents love the Lord, you need to be grateful for that. If your grandparents love the Lord, you need to be grateful for that. If you're young, we need to pass this on to generations. Amen? So Moses, he had some fear of God. I really like that about him. That he had a fear of God, he wouldn't quite look at him. He understood how awesome it was. Now, interestingly, the, they didn't have a Bible in, in this day. All they had was really, if God would appear to him uh, or speak to him, which didn't happen very often. And so when he gets this encounter, he's shocked by it, he's moved by it. We can become complacent with how easy it is to connect with God. A lot of us go, oh, if only I had a burning bush moment, that I would be sure what God wanted me to do. We have far greater than a burning bush moment. We have the Word of God in 35 different translations at our fingertips. So please scroll down to Exodus chapter 3 or or turn in your Bible. We have a burning bush moment every time we open the Scriptures. Amen? And in Exodus chapter 3, I want to read here in verse 7. It says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God says, I have heard them crying out. God hears our cries. He hears cries. Of the hurting. He hears the cries of the moms and dads hurting over their children. You know, we heard the cry of a a dear mother and father whose daughter just recently passed away at age 26 from cancer. She was our sister in the Sacramento church and our our awesome church leaders from Sacramento are here. They did the funeral. Uh, Keith and Sharon Davis and their children, great to have you guys here. And I know the passing of that sister was was a joy, but it was also pain. And God, He hears the cries of people that hurt, and He wants to rescue. He hears the cries of countless teens and college students who struggle for understanding their identity, for understanding meaning in this world, in the onslaught of social media pressures and social media deceptions. He hears the cries of parents struggling to connect to reveal their unconditional love to their children, who oftentimes don't receive it. He hears the cries of the homeless, and his heart is concerned about Los Angeles. 60,000 
homeless. He hears the cries of the addict who has hit rock bottom. And he hears the cries of their loved ones. Especially when the addict hasn't hit rock bottom. He hears the cries, often hushed cries and whispers, of countless middle class Americans living lives of quiet desperation. Needing purpose. Needing a new start. He hears our cry and he hears your cry. And he is concerned about us. I grew up in a family that had addiction uh, as part of it. My, my mom uh, had, was an alcoholic my entire life. Uh, she died as an addict. Uh, it was painful. Uh, Carrie as well, her father died uh, in his addiction. Um, a couple of years ago, we had to receive a phone call that one of Carrie's dear cousins right here in Yorba Linda, uh, beautiful, uh, in her 30s, two children, she died of, a, of an overdose. Um, it hurts. Our world is hurting. We've experienced it personally in our own life. We've seen it. And maybe you haven't had addiction in your life to, to struggle. And, and if you've had that in your family, you know it's just, it's just a struggle. To, to how do you help them? It's a struggle. God is absolutely the answer. And He hears our cry. You know, some of us, maybe we haven't had that. Just this week, Carrie and I were sitting there talking about our move. It's been a year now since we've been here on the west side. We love being here. But what we were doing was we were thinking uh, our rent's very high, as all of your rents are probably high. And we're like, wow, we might need to downsize or be nice to not pay all this money and get no tax right out. It'd be nice to own something. We did own a home for many years in the Inland Empire. We sold it, but things are three times the price out here. So we're like, oh my goodness. And we got a little depressed because we realized it's not really a reality. What are we going to do? And, you know, it took us, you know, you ever have those days that things seem to be going well and then a couple thoughts pop in your mind and you just kind of cycle into, I don't feel good today. You know, I'm in a bad mood. You ever just... you know, I'm done. I don't really do, want to do anything productive for the rest of the day. That, I, I got there. I thought, this is not okay. It's early in the day. I need to have a productive day. So one thing I try to do occasionally is uh, to pull me out of it is listen to music, right? You need some, You get a little emotional. You got to pull yourself out of it. A prayer, it works. I mean, we had an awesome prayer night on Friday night. It was so cool to be there. And we tried a few new ways of praying. And that's a good way to pull out of it. Music, great worship. I mean, last week's worship, oh, awesome. This week, here, seeing the heart of our, of our leaders up here, I appreciate so much. Amen. But I know about you, I hope you have a few songs you listen to occasionally. And I, I came upon a couple new ones. And there's one that apparently has been played in my house over and over by my mother-in-law, Lynn. But I, she listens to the Christian station a lot. I hadn't heard it very much. I heard it like two times. And it moved me. And it really struck me. The title of it is Rescue. And it's, it's Laura, Lauren Daigle. You guys have probably heard of her. But it fits this idea of what God wants to do is rescue us. Let's listen to a little clip of it. Awesome song. I love the words. I hear your SOS. Your call. Sometimes it's just that afternoon. You're, you're down. Sometimes there's desperation in your life. And I love how she says, I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. It's true. I will rescue you. I will never stop marching to reach you in the middle of the hardest fight. It's true. I will rescue 
you. God hears our cry. Fundamentally, that's His nature. And He has a solution to the problem. And here's what the solution is. He is sending you. He is sending you into one another's life. He is sending you. He said, Moses, I know you tried before and everything, 40 years ago, and there's this problem in your entire country, and you are going to go and lead the people out. God is sending you to one another because He hears the cries and He uses people to save other people. Didn't you love last week? I loved the ten women standing on the stage singing that song, Break Every Chain. You guys remember that? And they said, there's an army rising up to break every chain. And then I love that, the chorus, you know, I hear the chains falling. It was inspiring, Right? There's a calling for each of you. There's a calling for you to innovate and to use your talents and your gifts to rescue a lost world. And your lost world may be in your household. There's a calling for you to innovate and go, God, what do you call me to do to make a difference in my hurting community, in my hurting world? You have a calling. Each of us. It's unique. We're not cookie cutter. We're made uniquely by God. And He has a unique calling for you to send you to accomplish something that alleviates the pain and crying of our generation. The question we've got to answer is, will we go? Some of us today, the answer is, hey, I've, I've not really taken a good look at what it means to be a disciple. Or, or I've not allowed myself to, to let it penetrate. But the calling will be clear when you connect with Jesus. The Scriptures teach He's given His gifts to men. And all of us have unique gifts to make a tremendous difference in your generation right now. That's why we're doing things like the Screenland Ministry. That's why we're doing things like the Silicon Beach Ministry. That's why we're, we're, we're seeing, you know, we, we got uh, Zoe doing that I Am Ministry, pulling people from all over the place. Why? Because people want to experience and see God and be saved from their cries. And all of us here play a role in some way. Amen. We know the Gospel is the ultimate answer. Amen? But I want us to look at some of the excuses that Moses had to, to go through. He had a lot of excuses, right? He was called, and I'm sending you. So we're going to read. Skip over to Exodus chapter 3. Please open up your Bibles. And uh, since this is a technology uh, kind of focused service, if you have the app, we have a West Side app. In that app, you can go down to where it says Sermon Notes. And today's notes are already in there. You can follow along. You can click on some of the scriptures and they'll pull up for you. And you can take notes right in the app. If you don't have the app, you can da- download it on uh, Tidely. Go, go to your app store and look for Tidely app and search for Westside Church and it'll come up. And we, we want to be on top of it. We want to use what we have available. God's given us technology. It, get used, it gets used for darkness. Let's use it for light. We're going to begin reading to verse 11. We see Moses. He, he's going to struggle now with this calling just as we do. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. 
When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are going to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. So Moses is told, you're going to deliver them. I got his plan. Remember, Moses had tried to do this 40 years earlier and ended up not working out at all. So now he's a sheep herder in Midian. And he says, go, you're, you're going you're to deliver him out of, out of the hand of Egypt. And he's like, I can't. Who am I? No way, I'm not capable. I tried before, it didn't work out. You know, God, here's what I do. I, I, I tend to be pretty encouraging with my words. I would have been like, nah, Moses, you're all right. You're good. I was like, Moses, you know, you, God saved you when you were a baby for this reason. I would, have, I would have built him up. I'd be like, Moses, you know, you were born in Pharaoh's court, man. You've been trained. You can do it. You know all their customs. Man, you've shown yourself. You're, you're capable. But God just doesn't give him encouragement. We all like encouragement. I'm not saying that's not a bad thing. But what does God tell him? He says, I will be with you. You don't really need much more than that. See, Moses wanted to settle down. He didn't want to go. Why? Because he was, he was happy being a sheep herder. He had his wife, he had his kids. He, he had something to do. And he was discouraged by defeat. He, was, he felt like he didn't have a lot of hope. You know, we're an older congregation in many ways, though we do have some awesome campus students and teens. Amen. But a lot of us have been beat up. We've been through stuff. We've seen it. We've seen ups and downs on the west side. And a lot of us, you know, we're gun shy. We're, we're, we're settled. We're like, I'm not putting myself out there. I don't want to put myself out there. And I want to ask you to, to not do that. I want to ask you, no matter how long you've been around, how many of us have been around our church, any, any, any part of our church in, you know, in, in, in the whole United States for the last 20 years? How many of us? A lot of us. At least 20 years. 
And when you've been around 20 years, you've been through some wars. Don't settle. Don't settle in. Put yourself out there. You know, I'm really fired up, you know, about our recent... We had something in the campus ministry, and I'm really grateful we didn't settle. We, we decided to do a campus ministry football tournament with the women. They called it the Powder Puff Tournament. I'm not sure where that name came up, the Powder Puff Tournament, but they were playing some football. And we had to rally. I was talking to Kenny and Justin. I was like, we got to rally, guys. We got to rally. We cannot, we, we got to represent the West Side in this tournament. And a lot of, a lot of the parts of the LA church, the regions, they didn't, they didn't even want to field the team. They, they were settling in, but our guys didn't settle. And you know, Justin was the coach. I'm really proud of him. Brought his iPad. He had all the plays. And you know, our women beat our old, old ministry, the IE ministry. We only had seven women there. They had to play offense and defense two games back to back. I'm so proud of them. Uh, Megan, Bailey, both Rachel, Rachel Gonzalez and Rachel Kandal, Ariana Newsom, Talia and Caitlin. I'm so proud of you guys for, for battling and winning, beating the IE. The IEs had a big team. They've been playing it for a long time. I was so proud of them. They didn't settle. We can't settle. Amen? And what we need to know, when you have a calling from God, you only need to know, I will be with you. God's going to be with you. You don't really need anything other than that. He validates your ministry. He will equip, if He calls you, He'll equip you. He's going to give you the resources. When you get that little voice saying, I, I can help in this way, and you think, no, I can't, here's why. I want you to second, second guess that, that doubt. God is with us. Jesus said, go and make disciples and I will be with you. If He's with us, I don't care what talent level you think you're at, you have all you need. And there's lots of ways we're going to serve. When we serve God, He says, I am with you. Don't settle. He's going to give you some faith. You know, <coughs> Moses goes, well, but okay, what, what, what if I go to them and they go, well, who, who is this guy? Who, you're with me, great, but who are you? In other words, Moses is like, well, but what do I tell them? In, in the Egyptian culture, everyone had, every god had a name. Had all these gods they worshipped. We're going to be covering a lot of that as we study the, the plagues. Well, what's your name? And this is an amazing scripture that we read. Where he says, tell them I am. I am is sending you. The Hebrew for I am is actually what's known as the Tetragrammaton, which is the, the actual eternal name of God. You know, in, in Hebrew, it's, it's, it's Yahweh. They're not really sure how to pronounce it. But it, it sounds the same as saying I am. But it's a strange thing. And it's intended to be that. Who is God? He's, he's present right now. He's eternal. He was before, He's now, and He will be. He's the self-existent God. And he says, this is my name. I will be known by forever. What's incredible is in John 8, 58, Jesus himself says, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. He is God. He is God. Incredibly inspiringly, and the I am will get it done. 
You know, after he says this, what's so interesting in the passage we read is that what happens is he gives them the details of all the things that are going to happen, right? He says, you're going to go to the elders, they're going to believe you, and then you're going to go to the Pharaoh, and you're going to tell them, let us take a three-day journey. Why three-day? Three days is how long it would take to get out of Egypt. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a little different way of saying, we're going to leave. We're going to go to a new land. But of course, all the Hebrews were being used as workers in their country to build things. It's going to decimate their country. Of course he's going to say no. Why would I get rid of all this free labor? They were slaves. But then he goes on and says, oh, but it's going to let you go because I'm going to compel them. Oh, and then by the way, all your women, I don't know why it's the women that have to ask, but they tend to be very bold. Ask all your neighbors for all their money and their clothes, and they're going to give it to you. So Moses hears this plan from the I am. He's like, what? Right now we're slaves, and you're telling me, here, I don't know how long it takes, a couple months, we're going we're gonna to walk out of that country, and we're going to be rich with all the Egyptians' money? So you can see why he doubted a little bit, right? He doubted, and as we go into chapter 4, we see more doubts. He's struggling with the doubts. There's quite a few doubts that he has to wrestle with here. And I want to read a little bit, for about, a little bit more here in chapter 4 about these doubts, and I want you to wrestle with them yourself. And then we're going to close out here with just the simple call. My, my points today are simple. Ultimately, my points are, God hears your cry, and God is sending you. And you've got to overcome the many doubts that are going to come into your head as God's giving you that call. And you've got to listen to the voice of God for that call. God's plan is audacious, right? When Moses hears it, he's like, what? You're going to lead them all out? You're going to make them do it? And they're going to come out rich? No way. God has audacious plans for you as well. But I guarantee you're going to doubt. Many of you here are probably still are doubting. You're not sure. What is my plan? What do you really mean? I'm not sure what I can do. Well, we read in Exodus chapter 4. Skip down there. Let's go to chapter 4. And we read in verse 1. It says, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak. And when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak. He said, so Moses put his hand back in his cloak and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if you, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second sign. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the, from the river will become blood on the ground. Wow. So Moses doubted as we doubt. We doubt our calling. We doubt if God's even really there. We doubt whether he's really calling us to be disciples. We doubt really, what does it take to be a disciple? We doubt, won't people think we're weird? I don't know. i got to have my own faith. I don't want to have the faith of of everybody telling me to do it. i got to find it on my own. I want to just urge you to believe God. He is real. Believe Him. He's given Moses these signs. These things are going to indicate. There's a lot of meaning in there. But it's simple for you. I want to just say, we've got to believe God. We've got to trust Him. He does miracles. 
I, I don't, how many of you ever had a miracle done in your life? Sometimes miracles are really, so I've seen big miracles, baptisms of your children, that's a miracle. Your best friends, your neighbors. Let me tell you, just a tiny little miracle that happened. Just, God will do things. He'll do miraculous things. Something super simple that happened to me. I lost my car keys once. You ever lose your car keys? These days they cost like 300 bucks for a new key sometimes, right? With the chips in it. And I was like, I was trying to impress this on my daughter. We gotta have faith. God works. He'll help us find it, you know. And you hate running around the house. You don't know where they are. I had lost them for a whole week. I hadn't seen them for a week. I think I was using my wife's keys for that whole week. And finally I'm like, I gotta find these things. And so, I said, alright, well, I gotta show her I have faith. So we got on our knees and we prayed. God, you know where the keys are. You can see them right now. Show us. As soon as we're done the prayer, the phone rang. Literally, as soon as I done the prayer, the phone rang, and a, a sister in our church called me. She goes, oh, Steve, wrong, I don't know why I called you, wrong, wrong, wrong number, I was trying to call somebody else. Hung up. As soon as she called me, I knew where the keys were immediately. Because we had met with her and her husband a week earlier. Her husband had asked me to get something that I left in my car, in the trunk of my car. I went in the trunk of my car, I looked under the wheel well, which I had totally forgot, and my keys had fallen under the wheel well. I would have never found those keys. Right when I was in praying, she called me and didn't even know why she did. I mean, that's just a small thing. Right? That's just keys. If God can work on keys, what about things that actually matter? I could have bought a new set of keys and found them later and laughed about it. God will prove himself to you. Believe him. He's real. Amen? In verse 10, it says, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. I can't do a Bible talk. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. We doubt so much, don't we? It's so easy for us to doubt. But God says, I will help you speak. I will help you. I made your mouth. And I could tell you some stories about, oh, I, I could tell you lots of stories about how bad at speaking I have been. I hope I'm doing okay. <laughs> but I, one time when I wanted to go in the ministry, I got this, you know, I want to become a minister. I know, you know, Albert said, I want to be in the ministry. And young guys, I want to be a minister. I said, that's a great ambition. One time I had, I was young, I was in my 20s, and I spoke before a big group, like 700, and the leader of the church was there, the leader of the whole L.A. church. And I was like, I'm going to impress him. I got up there, and I could barely talk. My mouth dried up so bad that I was like, my name is Steve. And, and, and I, got, I couldn't even talk. I was supposed to do community. I, was, I got to the end, I was barely talking. And I, I was like, I, I was pronouncing words wrong. And finally I was like, wada, wada. And I was on this stage and there was no water on the stage. And so I'm like, ah! And I was like, let's pray. It was brutal. And I thought, I'll never be a minister. He saw me how terrible I was. God will help you. You can speak when God intends for you to do His work. Let's close out. In verse 13, Moses said, so he's all these objections. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. Already, God knew that he's going to need a partner. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. 
I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if you're, if, uh, if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hands so you can perform the signs with it. God knew he wanted a partner. He needed a partner. And you know what? In the calling that God has for you, you need a partner. You need many. I am deeply grateful in the West Side Church to partner, first of all, with my awesome wife, Carrie. And women, I know your Women's Day is going to be awesome. I know that the women's ministry is going to just do tremendous things. I am so grateful. She's my best friend. She's uh, my number one right-hand partner, disciple in the ministry. We, she's number one on my list of things I do, way I think, what I care about. When she's hurting, I'm hurting. When she's happy, I'm happy. I love having a partner in, in the work. But, you know, I love having an awesome staff and eldership here in the West Side. Guys, we, we have something really special. I hope you know that. Uh, it's been an incredible joy to serve with uh, Ken and Lena, who are our singles shepherding staff couple, right? Incredible leaders. Uh, their life and heart for the mission is an inspiration. Their example is an inspiration. Uh, again and again, I'm so grateful for what they do, the way they do it. Ken is really shepherding the whole singles ministry. He's led the whole church, and yet now he's also the vice president of a company, running a company, really working for almost nothing for the church. I really appreciate their heart, and they just serve constantly. Amen? I appreciate them a ton. And then... To partner, I've always known Todd and Tanya from afar and known them. We've known them through the campus ministry, but they are heroes of the West Side Church, right? They're heroes of the West Side Church. They began the West Side Church. Their hearts are so large for the hurting, and I love partnering with them. To have, now we have, you know, we have Kenny, awesome, and now Justin as well. Our campus ministry on the West Side is going to be incredible. Really grateful. And, you know, also we have uh, Rachel. She works as an intern, even though she really is full-time working a job at UCLA Medical Center. But she does, she does a little bit of work. I mean, for the, I mean, does a lot of work for the church. We give her just almost nothing as an intern. But she is an intern, and I really appreciate all you do, Rachel. And Brianna as well in the teens. Where's Bri at? Where's Bri? I don't see Bri, but I love Bri. Thank you for serving the teens faithfully. Awesome. Appreciate you so much. But not only that, we have Mark and Catherine Shump, elder and elder's wife. And, and they're teaching our parents, right, how to, how to parent their children. They're, they're incredible shepherds. I love that Mark is early to church and he's late to leave every time because he wants to stay in fellowship. And, and we compete on who's the last one to leave oftentimes. And I appreciate that, Mark. That's a way it ought to be. And, you know, we're, we're, we're training and working with Rick and Heather Meckhamson to appoint Rick and elder. And they are gold. What a golden couple. They've taken over our youth and family ministry. we got a partner in the calling that we have. But God is sending all of you. Every one of you is a messenger of God. And to close out, we're going to have a little hope talk in a minute here. And we're going to close out with the hope. But I want you to listen to another song. Another song that encouraged me and it motivated me. It's called Messengers by Lecrae. He is sending you. A couple clips of this. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? You are the messengers. God hears our cries and the cries of the city, and He is sending you. Amen. Love you guys. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.
Amen. It's great to be together this morning, uh, celebrating what Jesus has done for all of us, and also really being inspired by the uh, idea of the Silicon Beach Outreach, just making an impact in a part of the world that um, so many resources are pouring into the area. And I believe God is calling us to really give the ultimate resource to this part of the world, which is the gospel. Amen. So I'm excited about that. You know, God is an innovator. He is the ultimate innovator. And we have been studying the uh, book of Exodus as a church. And today we're doing uh, the calling part two. It's the the calling of Moses. And we left off last week uh, at the burning bush experience. And that's an innovative idea, right? That God wants to reveal himself in a burning bush to Moses and call Moses at 80 years old to do something really amazing. And so this morning, I want us to do something. We've been sitting for communion. Natalie did a great job with communion. Thank you so much, sharing and Chuka and all those, a part of the Silicon Beach group. Uh, also, just appreciate Nathan and, and all the singers up here. Thank you for your heart and, and time of effort here to lead us in worship. But I want to do something to kind of get your blood pumping. I want you to all stand up. Everybody stand up. And we're going to begin with a prayer, but I want it to be a standing prayer. So we can stand up, but we're going to bow our heads, stretch out a little bit. And we're going to study uh, Exodus chapter 3 and 4 today. Uh, and this is a calling of Moses, but it applies to us. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the privilege of being here this morning. Uh, we're grateful. We want to see uh, what you want to unveil for our community. We want to see what our role in it is will become. Father, I pray you will be with us as we study your word. We know your word is powerful. It changes minds. It changes hearts. It helps us to become the people you intended us to be. Father, be with each of us, no matter where we're at in our life at this time. Help us to receive a message that helps us accept the right calling from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, we left off last time. Grab a seat. Open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. And we find in Exodus chapter 3, the burning bush, where God, as a theophany, comes out and he's talking to Moses. Now, of course, he had not... This this is really the second uh, of the Trinity, the second person of the Trinity, revealing himself as an angel in a burning bush. Essentially, this is Jesus before he's in human form. And he's talking to Moses. And Moses drew near. And God said, you know, take off your shoes. This is holy, holy ground. And then we read in verse 6 of Exodus 3 that he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God works through different generations. I like how he says he's the God of of your fathers, of your personal father, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you know what? There's something powerful about being in a generational church. There's something powerful about knowing that our mom and dad believed in Jesus or understood him. There's something powerful for me. My grandma and grandpa introduced me to Jesus. My dad became an atheist when he was in his teens. But my, my grandparents, they, they took me to conferences to teach me about Jesus. And as I learned what a disciple was, I really, I, I wanted to impart the things I was showing or learning to my grandparents. But I know deep down in my heart of hearts, it was the faith that they planted on in me 
that God allowed to grow to something today. I never thought I would end up becoming a minister of speaking to you. Never thought that would happen. But it's the generational influence that can make such a difference. And we need to be grateful for that. Uh, sons and daughters in here, if your parents love the Lord, you need to be grateful for that. If your grandparents love the Lord, you need to be grateful for that. If you're young, we need to pass this on to generations. Amen? So Moses, he had some fear of God. I really like that about him. That he had a fear of God. He wouldn't quite look at him. He understood how awesome it was. Now, interestingly, the, they didn't have a Bible in, in this day. All they had was really, if God would appear to him uh, or speak to him, which didn't happen very often. And so when he gets this encounter, he's shocked by it. He's moved by it. We can become complacent with how easy it is to connect with God. A lot of us go, oh, if only I had a burning bush moment that I would be sure what God wanted me to do. We have far greater than a burning bush moment. We have the Word of God in 35 different translations at our fingertips. So please scroll down to Exodus chapter 3 or, or turn in your Bible. We have a burning bush moment every time we open the Scriptures. Amen? And in Exodus chapter 3, I want to read here in verse 7. It says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God says, I have heard them crying out. God hears our cries. He hears cries. Of the hurting. He hears the cries of the moms and dads hurting over their children. You know, we heard the cry of a, of a dear mother and father whose daughter just recently passed away at age 26 from cancer. She was our sister in the Sacramento church and our, our awesome church leaders from Sacramento are here. They did the funeral. Uh, Keith and Sharon Davis and their children, great to have you guys here. And I know uh, the passing of that sister was, was a joy, but it was also pain. And God, He hears the cries of people that hurt, and He wants to rescue. He hears the cries of countless teens and college students who struggle for understanding their identity, for understanding meaning in this world, in the onslaught of social media pressures and social media deceptions. He hears the cries of parents struggling to connect, to reveal their unconditional love to their children, who oftentimes don't receive it. He hears the cries of the homeless, and his heart is concerned about Los Angeles. 60,000 homeless. He hears the cries of the addict who has hit rock bottom. And he hears the cries of their loved ones especially when the addict hasn't hit rock bottom. He hears the cries 
often hushed cries and whispers of countless middle-class Americans living lives of quiet desperation, needing purpose, needing a new start. He hears our cry, and he hears your cry, and he is concerned about us. I grew up in a family that had addiction uh, as part of it. My, my mom uh, had, was an alcoholic my entire life. Uh, she died as an addict. Uh, it was painful. Uh, Carrie, as well, her father died uh, in his addiction. Um, a couple of years ago, we had to receive a phone call that one of Carrie's dear cousins, right here in Yorba Linda, uh, beautiful, uh, in her 30s, two children, she died of, a, of an overdose. Um, it hurts. Our world is hurting. We've experienced it personally in our own life. We've seen it. And maybe you haven't had addiction in your life to, to struggle. And, and if you've had that in your family, you know it's just, it's just a struggle. To, to how do you help them? It's a struggle. God is absolutely the answer. And He hears our cry. You know, some of us, maybe we haven't had that. Just this week, Carrie and I were sitting there talking about our move. It's been a year now since we've been here on the west side. We love being here. But... What we were doing was we were thinking uh, our rent's very high, as all of your rents are probably high. And we're like, wow, we might need to downsize or be nice to not pay all this money and get no tax right up. It'd be nice to own something. We did own a home for many years in the Inland Empire. We sold it, but things are three times the price out here. So we're like, oh my goodness. And we got a little depressed because we realized it's not really a reality. What are we going to do? And, you know, it took us, you know, you ever have those days that things seem to be going well and then a couple thoughts pop in your mind and you just kind of cycle into, I don't feel good today. You know, I'm in a bad mood. You ever just, you know, I'm done. I don't really want to do anything productive for the rest of the day. I I got there. I thought, this is not okay. It's early in the day. I need to have a productive day. So one thing I try to do occasionally is uh, to pull me out of it is listen to music, right? You need some, you get a little emotional, you got to pull yourself out of it. A prayer, it works. I mean, we had an awesome prayer night on Friday night. It was so cool to be there. And we tried a few new ways of praying. And that's a good way to pull out of it. Music, great worship. I mean, last week's worship, oh, awesome. This week, here, seeing the heart of our, of our leaders up here, I appreciate so much. But I know about you, I hope you have a few songs you listen to occasionally. And I, I came upon a couple new ones. And there's one that apparently has been played in my house over and over by my mother-in-law, Lynn. But I, she listens to the Christian station a lot. I hadn't heard it very much. I heard it like two times. And it moved me. And it really struck me. The title of it is Rescue. And it's, it's Laura, Lauren Daigle. You guys have probably heard of her. But it fits this idea of what God wants to do is rescue us. Let's listen to a little clip of it.
awesome song. I love the words. I hear your SOS, your call. Sometimes it's just that afternoon, you're, you're down. Sometimes there's desperation in your life. And I love how she says, I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. It's true. I will rescue you. I will never stop marching to reach you in the middle of the hardest fight. It's true. I will rescue you. God hears our cry. Fundamentally, that's His nature. And He has a solution to the problem. And here's what the solution is. He is sending you. He is sending you into one another's life. He is sending you. He said, Moses, I know you tried before and everything 40 years ago, and there's this problem in your entire country, and you are going to go and lead the people out. God is sending you to one another because He hears the cries, and He uses people to save other people. Didn't you love last week? I love the, the ten women standing on the stage singing that song, Break Every Chain. You guys remember that? And they said, there's an army rising up to break every chain. And then I love that, the, the chorus, you know, I, I hear the chains falling. Uh, it was inspiring, right? There's a calling for each of you. There's a calling for you to innovate and to use your talents and your gifts to rescue a lost world. And your lost world may be in your household. There's a calling for you to innovate and go, God, what do you call me to do to make a difference in my hurting community, in my hurting world? You have a calling. Each of us. It's unique. We're not cookie cutter. We're made uniquely by God. And He has a unique calling for you to send you to accomplish something that alleviates the pain and crying of our generation. The question we've got to answer is, will we go? Some of us today, the answer is, hey, I've, I've not really taken a good look at what it means to be a disciple, or, or I've not allowed myself to, to let it penetrate. But the calling will be clear when you connect with Jesus. The Scriptures teach He's given His gifts to men. And all of us have unique gifts to make a tremendous difference in your generation right now. That's why we're doing things like the Screenland Ministry. That's why we're doing things like the Silicon Beach Ministry. That's why we're, we're, we're seeing, you know, we, we got uh, Zoe doing that I Am Ministry, pulling people from all over the place. Why? Because people want to experience and see God and be saved from their cries. And all of us here play a role in some way. Amen. We know the gospel is the ultimate answer. Amen. But I want us to look at some of the excuses that Moses had to, to go through. He had a lot of excuses, right? He was called, and I'm sending you. So we're going to read. Skip over to Exodus chapter 3. Please open up your Bibles. And uh, since this is a technology uh, kind of focused service, if you have the app, we have a West Side app. In that app, you can go down to where it says Sermon Notes. And today's notes are already in there. You can follow along. You can click on some of the scriptures and they'll pull up for you. And you can take notes right in the app. If you don't have the app, you can download it on uh, Tidely. Go, go to your app store and look for Tidely app and search for Westside Church and it'll come up. 
And we, we want to be on top of it. We want to use what we have available. God's given us technology. It, get used, it gets used for darkness. Let's use it for light. We're going to begin reading in verse 11. We see Moses. He, he's going to struggle now with this calling, just as we do. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are going to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform, perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. So Moses is told, you're going to deliver them. I got his plan. Remember, Moses had tried to do this 40 years earlier and ended up not working out at all. So now he's a sheep herder in Midian. And he says, go, you're, you're going you're to deliver him out of, out of the hand of Egypt. And he's like, I can't. Who am I? No way, I'm not capable. I tried before, it didn't work out. You know, God, here's what I do. I, I, I tend to be pretty encouraging with my words. I would have been like, nah, Moses, you're all right. You're good. I was like, Moses, you know, you, God saved you when you were a baby for this reason. I would have, I would have built him up. I'd be like, Moses... You know, you were born in Pharaoh's court, man. You've been trained. You can do it. You know all their customs. Man, you've shown yourself. You're, you're capable. But God just doesn't give him encouragement. We all like encouragement. I'm not saying that's not a bad thing. But what does God tell him? He says, I will be with you. You don't really need much more than that. See, Moses wanted to settle down. He didn't want to go. Why? Because... He was, he was happy being a sheep herder. He had his wife, had his kids. He, he had something to do. And he was discouraged by defeat. He, was, he felt like he didn't have a lot of hope. You know, we're an older congregation in many ways, though we do have some awesome campus students and teens. Amen. 
But a lot of us have been beat up. We've been through stuff. We've seen it. We've seen ups and downs on the west side. And a lot of us, you know, we're gun shy. We're, we're, we're settled. We're like, I'm not putting myself out there. I don't want to put myself out there. And I want to ask you to, to not do that. I want to ask you, no matter how long you've been around, how many of us have been around our church, any, any, any part of our church in, you know, in, in, in the whole United States for the last 20 years? How many of us? A lot of us. At least 20 years. And when you've been around 20 years, you've been through some wars. Don't settle. Don't settle in. Put yourself out there. You know, I'm really fired up, you know, about our recent... We had something in the campus ministry, and I'm really grateful we didn't settle. We, we decided to do a campus ministry football tournament with the women. They called it the Powder Puff Tournament. I'm not sure where that name came up, the Powder Puff Tournament, but they were playing some football. And we had to rally. I was talking to Kenny and Justin. I was like, we got to rally, guys. We got to rally. We cannot, we, we got to represent the West Side in this tournament. And a lot of, a lot of the parts of the LA church, the regions, they didn't, they didn't even want to field the team. They, they were settling in, but our guys didn't settle. And you know, Justin was the coach. I'm really proud of him. Brought his iPad. He had all the plays. And you know, our women beat our old, old ministry, the IE ministry. We only had seven women there. They had to play offense and defense, two games back to back. I'm so proud of them. Uh, Megan, Bailey, both Rachel, Rachel Gonzalez and Rachel Kandal, Ariana Newsom, Talia and Caitlin. I'm so proud of you guys for, for battling and winning, beating the IE. The IEs had a big team. They've been playing it for a long time. I was so proud of them. They didn't settle. We can't settle. Amen. And what we need to know, when you have a calling from God, you only need to know, I will be with you. God's going to be with you. You don't really need anything other than that. He validates your ministry. He will equip, if He calls you, He'll equip you. He's going to give you the resources. When you get that little voice saying, I, I can help in this way, and you think, no, I can't, here's why. I want you to second, second guess that, that doubt. God is with us. Jesus said, go and make disciples and I will be with you. If he's with us, I don't care what talent level you think you're at, you have all you need. And there's lots of ways we're going to serve. When we serve God, he says, I am with you. Don't settle. He's going to give you some faith. You know, <coughs> Moses goes, well, but okay, what, what, what if I go to them and they go, well, who, who is this guy? Who, you're with me, great, but who are you? In other words, Moses is like, well, but what do I tell them? In, in the Egyptian culture, everyone had, every god had a name. Had all these gods they worshipped. We're going to be covering a lot of that as we study the, the plagues. Well, what's your name? And this is an amazing scripture that we read. Where he says, tell them I am. I am is sending you. The Hebrew for I am is actually what's known as the Tetragrammaton, which is the, the actual eternal name of God. You know, in, in Hebrew, it's, it's, it's Yahweh. They're not really sure how to pronounce it, but it, it sounds the same as saying I am. But it's a strange thing, and it's intended to be that. Who is God? He's, he's present right now. He's eternal. He was before, he's now, and he will be. 
He's the self-existent God. And he says, this is my name. I will be known by forever. What's incredible is in John 8, 58, Jesus himself says, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. He is God. He is God. Incredibly, inspiringly. And the I am will get it done. You know, after he says this, what's so interesting in the passage we read is that what happens is he gives them the details of all the things that are going to happen, right? He says, you're going to go to the elders. They're going to believe you. And then you're going to go to the Pharaoh and you're going to tell him, let us take a three day journey. Why three days? Three days is how long it would take to get out of Egypt. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a little different way of saying we're going to leave. We're going to go to a new land. But of course, all the Hebrews were being used as workers in their country to build things. It's going to decimate their country. Of course, he's going to say no. Why would I get rid of all this free labor? They were slaves. But then he goes on and says, oh, but it's going to let you go because I'm going to compel them. Oh, and then by the way, all your women, I don't know why it's the women that have to ask, but they tend to be very bold. Ask all your neighbors for all their money and their clothes and they're going to give it to you. So Moses hears this plan from the I am. He's like, what? Right now we're slaves and you're telling me here, I don't know how long it takes, a couple months. We're going to we're going to walk out of that country. We're going to be rich with all the Egyptians money. So you can see why he doubted a little bit, right? He doubted. And as we go into chapter 4, we see more doubts. He's struggling with the doubts. There's quite a few doubts that he has to wrestle with here. And I want to read a little bit, for about, a little bit more here in chapter 4 about these doubts. And I want you to wrestle with them yourself. And then we're going to close out here with just the simple call. My, my points today are simple. Ultimately, my points are, God hears your cry, and God is sending you. And you've got to overcome the many doubts that are going to come into your head as God's giving you that call. And you've got to listen to the voice of God for that call. God's plan is audacious, right? When Moses hears it, he's like, what? You're going to lead them all out? You're going to make them do it? And they're going to come out rich? No way. God has audacious plans for you as well. But I guarantee you're going to doubt. Many of you here are probably still are doubting. You're not sure, what is my plan? What do you really mean? I'm not sure what I can do. Well, we read in Exodus chapter 4, skip down there, let's go to chapter 4. And we read in verse 1, it says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak. And when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back in his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if, you, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second sign. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the, from the river will become blood on the ground. Wow. 
So Moses doubted as we doubt. We doubt our calling. We doubt if God's even really there. We doubt whether he's really calling us to be disciples. We doubt really what does it take to be a disciple. We doubt won't people think we're weird. I don't know. I got to have my own faith. I don't want to have the faith of of everybody telling me to do it. I got to find it on my own. I want to just urge you to believe God. He is real. Believe him. He gives Moses, he's given Moses these signs. These things are going to indicate. There's a lot of meaning in there. But it's simple for you. I want to just say, we've got to believe God. We've got to trust Him. He does miracles. I, I don't, how many of you ever had a miracle done in your life? Sometimes miracles are really... So I've seen big miracles. Baptisms of your children. That's a miracle. Your best friends, your neighbors. Let me tell you, just a tiny little miracle that happened. Just God will do things. He'll do miraculous things. Something super simple that happened to me. I lost my car keys once. You ever lose your car keys? These days they cost like 300 bucks for a new key sometimes, right? With the chips in it. And I was like, I was trying to impress this on my daughter. We got to have faith. God works. He'll help us find it. You know, and you hate running around the house. You don't know where they are. I had lost them for a whole week. I hadn't seen them for a week. I think I was using my wife's keys for that whole week. And finally, I'm like, I got to find these things. And so I said, all right, well, I got to show her I have faith. So we got on our knees and we prayed, God, you know where the keys are. You can see them right now. Show us. As soon as we're done the prayer, the phone rang. Literally, as soon as another prayer, the phone rang, and a, a sister in our church called me. She goes, oh, Steve, wrong, I don't know why I called you. Wrong, wrong, wrong number. I was trying to call somebody else. Hung up. As soon as she called me, I knew where the keys were immediately. Because we had met with her and her husband a week earlier. Her husband had asked me to get something that I left in my car, in the trunk of my car. I went in the trunk of my car. I looked under the wheel well, which I had totally forgot, and my keys had fallen under the wheel well. I would have never found those keys. Right when I was in praying, she called me and didn't even know why she did. I mean, that's just a small thing. Right? This is keys. If God can work on keys, what about things that actually matter? I could have bought a new set of keys and found them later and laughed about it. God will prove himself to you. Believe him. He's real. Amen? In verse 10, it says, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. I can't do a Bible talk. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. We doubt so much, don't we? It's so easy for us to doubt. But God says, I will help you speak. I will help you. I made your mouth. And I could tell you some stories about, oh, I, I could tell you lots of stories about how bad at speaking I have been. I hope I'm doing okay. But I, one time when I wanted to go in the ministry, I got this, you know, I want to become a minister. I know, you know, Albert said, I want to be in the ministry. And young guys, I want to be a minister. I said, that's a great ambition. One time I had, I was young, I was in my 20s, and I spoke before a big group, like 700. And the leader of the church was there, the leader of the whole L.A. church. And I was like, I'm going to impress him. I got up there. And I could barely talk. My mouth dried up so bad that I was like, my name is Steve. And, and, and I, got, I couldn't even talk. I was supposed to do community. I, was, I got to the end. I was barely talk. And I, I was like, I, I was pronouncing words wrong. And finally, I was like, water, water. And I was on this stage, and there was no water on the stage. And so I'm like, ah. And I was like, I'll pray. It was brutal. And I thought, I'll never be a minister. He saw me how terrible I was. God will help you. 
You can speak when God intends for you to do His work. Let's close out. In verse 13, Moses said, so he's all these objections. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. Already, God knew that he's going to need a partner. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if, you're, if, uh, if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hands so you can perform the signs with it. God knew he wanted a partner. He needed a partner. And you know what? In the calling that God has for you, you need a partner. You need many. I am deeply grateful in the Westside Church to partner, first of all, with my awesome wife, Carrie. And women, I know your Women's Day is going to be awesome. I know that the women's ministry is going to just do tremendous things. I am so grateful. She's my best friend. She's uh, my number one right-hand partner, disciple in the ministry. We, she's number one on my list of things I do, way I think, what I care about. When she's hurting, I'm hurting. When she's happy, I'm happy. I love having a partner in, in the work. But, you know, I love having an awesome staff and eldership here in the West Side. Guys, we, we have something really special. I hope you know that. Uh, it's been an incredible joy to serve with uh, Ken and Lena, who are our singles shepherding staff couple, right? Incredible leaders. Uh, their life and heart for the mission is an inspiration. Their example is an inspiration. Uh, again and again, I'm so grateful for what they do, the way they do it. Ken is really shepherding the whole singles ministry. He's led the whole church. And yet now he's also the vice president of a company, running a company, really working for almost nothing for the church. I really appreciate their heart. And they just serve constantly. Amen. I appreciate them a ton. And then to partner, I've always known Todd and Tanya from afar and known them. We've known them through the campus ministry, but they are heroes of the West Side Church, right? They're heroes of the West Side Church. They began the West Side Church. Their hearts are so large for the hurting. And I love partnering with them. To have, now we have, you know, we have Kenny, awesome, and now Justin as well. Our campus ministry on the west side is going to be incredible. Really grateful. And you know, also we have uh, Rachel, she works as an intern, even though she really is full-time working a job at UCLA Medical Center, but she does, she does a little bit of work, I mean, for the, I mean, does a lot of work for the church. We give her just almost nothing as an intern, but she is an intern, and I really appreciate all you do, Rachel. And Brianna as well in the teens. Where's Bri at? Where's Bree? I don't see Bree, but I love Bree. Thank you for serving the teens faithfully. Awesome. Appreciate you so much. But not only that, we have Mark and Catherine Shump, elder and elder's wife. And, and they're teaching our parents, right, how to, how to parent their children. They're, they're incredible shepherds. I love that Mark is early to church and he's late to leave every time because he wants to stay in fellowship. And, and we compete on who's the last one to leave oftentimes. I appreciate that, Mark. That's a way it ought to be. And, you know, we're, we're, we're training and working with Rick and Heather Meckinson to appoint Rick and Elder. And they are gold. What a golden couple. They've taken over our youth and family ministry. We've got a partner in the calling that we have. But God is sending all of you. Every one of you is a messenger of God. And to close out, we're going to have a little hope talk in a minute here. We're going to close out with the hope. But I want you to listen to another song. Another song that encouraged me and it motivated me called messengers by lecrae he is sending you just a couple clips of this
I could dance for you, and you would be entertained. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? You are the messengers. God hears our cries and the cries of the city. And he is sending you. Amen. Love you guys. Brian just died.